0: Good Thursday and welcome to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. Glad to have you along here today. We'll bring you feature agricultural news reports along with a look at regional and national agricultural news. And we'll start with regional agricultural news headlines right after this.
1: Bee Hero is the leading almond pollination provider. We deliver measurable and verifiable pollination outcomes for almond growers and turn a previously unquantified fingers crossed gamble into a controllable expenditure. For the first time, growers can know exactly what they are getting for their money during pollination. BeeHero Hero accurately evaluates your bees pollination contribution in real time and gives you unprecedented visibility into the progress of bloom. Don't leave pollination to chance. Be sure, be precise, Bee Hero. Call Charlie Phillips, VP of Sales, at 559-467-9699. Be Hero, Superior Bees, Superior Pollination.
0: Specialty crop producers will be hard-pressed to comply with new proposals from the Environmental Protection Agency overhauling how it implements the Endangered Species Act, that according to Minor Crop Farmer Alliance, in new comments to the agency. The average specialty crop grower is going to find it challenging to comply with EPA's ESA plans, according to MCFA Chair Jim Cranny, President of California Citrus Quality Mutual. In comments submitted to the EPA last week, MCFA outlined numerous concerns about a proposed update to EPA's work plan for implementing ESA. The new work plan is a 180-degree change in the agency's ESA policy, replacing a methodical slow approach with an act-now, ask-questions-later policy, According to Cranny, EPA is being forced to change its ESA policy after years of lawsuits from environmental activist groups that have effectively paralyzed the agency's pesticide safety review program. However, elements of EPA's updated ESA work plan will prove challenging to specialty crop producers, according to MCFA. For example, the new work plan proposes extensive mitigation measures to reduce the potential for spray drift and pesticide runoff to soil and water, such as no-spray buffer zones, water retention ponds, and vegetative ditches. Since the triggers for these mitigations will be low, MCFA reports many specialty crop growers likely will be required to include some mitigation options as part of their pesticide application programs. MCFA also cited potential for EPA's proposal to negatively impact specialty crop food safety efforts. In addition, MCFA sought to educate EPA about existing specialty crop industry practices that would negate the need for additional mitigation measures. MCFA also informed EPA that specialty crop growers already follow established conservation best practices to protect bodies of water and referred EPA to the U.S. Department of Agriculture for extensive data about those existing conservation efforts. Founded in 1991, the Minor Crop Farmer Allowance is funded and led entirely by fruit, vegetable, nut, ornamental plant, and other specialty crop producer organizations from across the United States. Headquartered in Reedley, California, Fruterra was established with the goal of delivering the high quality fruit our customers require 365 days of the year, according to the company. The idea behind Fruterra began with RRG Capital Management, an alternative asset manager whose founder spent 20 years developing water, sustainable agriculture, and renewable energy assets, according to David Krauss, Fruterra's CEO. Together with a group of investors, they wanted to craft a new company founded on the principles of ESG and meeting the needs of today's much Change Global Ag Business. Going back to 2021, it was important to signal the seriousness of intent via their first acquisitions, according to Krauss. Those first acquisitions included California-based Deca and Hackett and Agricola Don Ricardo in Peru are both mature and highly sophisticated operators. d is a global importer, seller, and marketer, while ADR is a grower, packer, and shipper of primarily table grapes, citrus, avocados, and blueberries. These companies form the foundation of present-day Frutera, giving them a nimble and smart distribution network as well as a critical launch pad in Latin America, according to Krauss. Next came the acquisition of California-based Terra Fresh Organics. The company's founders had been working together since 1987 when organic produce was still a cottage industry. Krauss said Agricooling and Logistics, a Texas-based cold storage repacking and cross-docking facility, was later acquired, which gave for Terra a critical receiving and North American redistribution site. With general and retailer registration now open and planning well underway for educational sessions and keynote presentations, Organic Produce Summit 2023, which will be held July 12th and 13th in Monterey, California, is poised to be the largest yet and will include some fresh and new activities for all participants. The highlights of OPS 2023 include a sold-out trade show floor featuring 170 organic fresh produce producers, insightful and engaging educational sessions, and keynotes focused on the top issues facing the industry, And a host of networking activities, including a gala opening night reception. Some of the new events include the first ever retailer field tour to an organic controlled environment agriculture facility, showcasing revolutionary growing and packaging a special cocktail event prior to the opening reception for those new to the industry or attending their first ever OPS, and a two-hour educational session focused on the power of plants and how the industry can gain messaging ideas to help market and sell more fresh produce. For more information on the upcoming summit, you can log on to OrganicProduceSummit.com. California officials have confirmed the presence of HLB spreading Asian citrus ciliads in a residential area east of Sonoma. The confirmation came following analysis of a survey trap set by the Sonoma County Department of Agriculture. The county department is coordinating with the California Department of Food and Agriculture in responding to the pest presence in Sonoma Valley. The primary impact on Sonoma County is to production nurseries that buy, grow, and sell citrus nursery stock, as well as local certified farmers markets and producers that sell or move citrus fruit or plants. There's only one commercial citrus producer in Sonoma County. The CDFA confirmed the pest in December and immediately began a treatment protocol that included visual survey and treatment of host plants within a 50 meter radius of the original location where the fine was collected. Delimination traps were placed in the four square miles surrounding the fine site at a density of 50 traps per square mile. The delimination period is for 12 months, with traps serviced weekly for the first month, followed by monthly for the remaining 11 months if no more pests are discovered. To date, the CDFA has discovered and treated citrus host material on eight properties. Treatment is voluntary and includes the use of contact and systemic insecticides. The $250 million project to redevelop the 28-acre Grower's Ice Company campus in Salinas, California into the most technologically advanced pre-cooling and cold storage facility in the nation is on track. CEO Jim White of what will be the 400-square-foot facility with dedicated space for handling of the organic produce Says that they expect to begin a demo phase in early 2024 and then begin construction. He said they are planning to open a facility in time for the beginning of the 2026 season in Salinas. For the past two years, White's team has been securing the funding and putting all the regulatory provisions in place for both the demolition of the current campus and the construction of a new one. The new facility will be state-of-the-art and far superior to any cooler that exists in the Salinas Valley today. During the design phase of the project, every effort has been made to make it environmentally friendly and sustainable. He said that alternative energy sources would be utilized as well as the latest technology in water conservation and efficiency. Lemons are a popular organic produce item, and growers have taken note recently and increased their acreage, which in turn has been driving down prices. President of Sespi Creek Organics, John Wise, who has been growing organic lemons year-round in Ventura County for more than 35 years, said he has seen a rise in a fruit's availability in the market. He says it seems like every year the supply of organic lemons is increasing from both domestic and international growers, and said last year the price of organic lemons was for the most part in a doldrums, with added supplies this downward trend should continue for the near future. Wise said in 2020 and 2021, organic lemon pricing was very strong, which he attributes in part to the COVID-related trend of people eating at home and looking for healthier food choices. But as the pandemic has subsided and growers have continued adding organic acreage, the pricing outlook appears to be tepid. Wise did note the significant California rainfall in January has been very beneficial after the prolonged drought. He says his lemon trees have responded beautifully to the recent storm and fruit sizes should be bigger this year due to those recent rains. The National Agricultural Statistics Service has began sending out a survey to nearly 2,300 California producers, asking producers to provide information about the types of crops they intend to plant in 2023, how many acres they intend to plant, any amounts of grain and oil seed they store on their farms. Producers can respond online at agcounts.usda.gov or by mail. Those who do not respond by February 27th may be emailed a reminder or contacted for an interview. In accordance with federal law, NAS keeps responses confidential and publishes data in aggregate form only ensuring that no individual operation or producer can be identified. The data will be published in the Perspective Plannings and Quarterly Grain Stocks reports on March 31st. These and all NAS reports are available online at nas.usda.gov front publications. Mark Anna is reporting that the Arizona-California Desert Growing region has had temperatures from 20 to 30 degrees, which has caused some widespread lettuce ice. They've also had some harvesting and loading delays as a result. The quality of lettuce items has been good overall, despite some light case weights due to the recent cold temperatures. The company's inspectors will continue to monitor supplies closely.
2: JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcasts, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate and influence growers in the western united states
1: everywhere you go you see west coast map magazine on every one of my customers tables so that tells you everything that's that it's there so they're reading
2: our my ag life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers
3: and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. FarmWise Robotics learned a lot with technology and customer input with its first self-propelled semi-autonomous weeder known as Titan. The new Vulcan, which is a weeding implement pulled by a tractor, incorporates those learnings as well as new features to provide in-row weed removal in more than a dozen crops. Todd Rinkenberger, FarmWise Vice President of Sales, said the company also has moved from a service-based business model to one where growers can buy the implement. FarmWise showed off the Vulcan at the recent World Ag Expo in Tulare, California. It also was named one of the show's top 10 new products.
4: That was self-propelled semi-autonomous. We called that Titan. And basically, a lot of similarities, but you know, we basically moved from that model that was self-propelled with an operator that was using a tablet to guide the system as it made turns at the end of the field, and then it would run down the row by itself and move to a more implement-based model where a farmer can use his tractor. But real, the real advances for us from Titan to Vulcan are we've basically have improved our lighting systems and our camera capture so we can get rid of the hood and we can operate in ambient light now. And the other side of it is we've increased the speed of our ability to actuate by going from pneumatic to hydraulics and on top of that we've improved the, the learning models of machine learning that allow us to be a lot more precise in everything that we do from a recognition or, or detection to actuation so it's really a lot of changes that we learned through running Titan as a service for farmers allowed us to uh, iterate and generate the next generation of product that we, brings a lot more efficiency into the system.
3: At the heart of the machine is a library that includes images of both crops and weeds. Cameras on the machine capture images as it moves down the row, sending those files to an onboard computer. In a fraction of a second, the computer tells the blades whether to remove the weed or whether the image is of a crop. As the machine continues to run, Rinkenberger said the computer uses machine learning to further enhance crop and weed recognition.
4: So the machine has sensors, but the sensors are all really built around the mechanics and and just monitoring the operating of the actual implement itself. Basically everything we do is image capture. So we've got a a camera built into a lighting module, and it's taking a significant number of frames per second in terms of images. Those images are, are going to an onboard computer that's in a fraction of a second, are evaluating that and then determining how to guide the blades around the crop and eliminate the weeds that are in between the plants down the row so it's really everything's done by imagery and recognition of of the cameras and to get there we you know we basically are capturing images from sample fields we'll annotate them which is basically designating crop versus the weed and then we'll introduce that into our machine learning models and the models themselves will start to learn and basically allow us to go from a very small number of images to being able to weed an individual crop
3: Rinkenberger said Farmwise has been collecting images since it started running the Titan more than three years ago, so the company has a pretty robust library. They also have streamlined how they capture images in new crops. So far, they can run in about 15 crops and are working to create libraries for another 14 crops.
4: It's been since day 1 we've been capturing those images. So, I mean, we were running the service business for 3 plus years and so we were during that whole window of time we're capturing images and annotating them. We're now at a point where the ability to go from not not knowing or not being able to do a crop to building a new model for a crop is requires a, a very few number of instances. We, you know, we have a handful of fields we collect images from. We introduce to introduce those to the model and it basically can build a new crop model from there. Again, we've got 14-plus crops we do now. There's another 15 or so in development. And over time, we'll add additional crops that that fit our bed configurations that we're currently operating in.
3: The Vulcan is designed for beds up to 80 inches wide. It's also designed to weed up to eight rows and for individual plants, such as head lettuce, romaine, or broccoli. Rinkenberger said it's not designed for spring mixes or other crops planted in a mat across the bed.
4: The current configuration is built around 80 inch beds or 80 to 84 inch beds, so increments around that. And the most we'll do on an individual bed is eight lines across the top, so the real high density stuff like spinach or spring mix like you were mentioning, that's that's not something that's in our portfolio because those are basically mass-planted, and there's no way to navigate down a row. There's not really a row of plants. There's just a mass-planting of plants.
3: The Titans started out with a focus on organic producers, since they had few alternatives for weed control. But Rinkenberger said growers of conventional crops have begun to take notice of the robotic weeder.
4: The majority of what we've done in the past has been er organic, but at the same time, a lot of growers will use it as a conventional as well. And in our use case, once we put this equipment in the hands of the farmer, the conversations we're having with customers basically say, if I own this piece of equipment, it'll be running every single day. I have weeds to eradicate in the field, regardless of whether they're organic or conventional. So um, historically, it's been primarily organic, but it's definitely going to move to a broader organic and conventional mix going forward when farmers have the implement themselves.
3: The optimum timing to run the machine is when the weeds are no more than 3 to 5 inches tall. Once they're removed, Rinkenberger said many crops will respond with robust crop growth that shades the ground, minimizing future weed growth.
4: Generally we're getting them when they're three to five inches or less in size. It's easier to remove the entire plant. Once the roots get established, it's a little more work. The other thing is we're doing a lot of leafies and, and, and coastal crops. So as soon as you eliminate that, you've got a lot of crop growth that occurs that it kind of shades out and, and outcompetes the weeds that are smaller later in time. So it's really, you know, there's a certain size we try and target getting in before.
3: Once the computer identifies the weed, the Vulcan uses blades to remove the unwanted plant. Rinkenberger said the blades can get as close as one and a half half inches to the plant, making weed removal very precise. Tractor operators can monitor the quality of the weeding by looking over their shoulders. They also can use the FarmWise in-cab monitor to adjust the blades for increased precision.
4: Everything we do is mechanical. So we are actually, the actuators that are guiding the removal of the weeds are, are actuating blades that are opening and closing around the, the crop. So we basically have a halo of, around the base of the, of the individual crop that we're trying to keep that doesn't get weeded. And it can be as small as an inch and a half or so. And so it's very, very precise.
3: With the launch of the Vulcan, Rinkenberger said farmwise is moving away from the service as a business model to one where growers can own the implement. The Vulcan is built in modules, making reconfiguration and on-farm repairs easy. It also can be pulled by a 120-horsepower tractor, a common size on many vegetable operations. He said the units that FarmWise displayed at the World Ag Expo were the first to be built, but additional units will start showing up in farmers' fields later this year.
4: We're transitioning to using Vulcan as an implement that we're going to sell, so we're going to run them in our our service fleet for a while as well. But it's really transitioning more to a model where a business model where we'll be selling the implements themselves everything is fully updatable remotely so that's one of the great things about technology is anytime you can connect you can basically have a new model pushed or an updated model because we are constantly making adjustments and improving the accuracy of the models and if we add a new one, we'll be able to push it immediately to onboard computer. And, you know, we built this in a very modular way that allows the major items that need to be repaired to easily be replaced on farm so that we can focus on keeping up time in the, in the equipment on farm.
3: On-farm robotics, like the Vulcan, are being driven by skyrocketing labor costs and an overall lack of farm labor. As they say, necessity is a mother of invention. This is Vicki Boyd reporting for My Ag Life.
1: Sponsored by the California Walnut Board and Commission. Supporting the industry with on-farm innovation through production research, advocacy for government programs, and driving consumer demand. Doing more together.
0: USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service is involved in two recently announced efforts to address water supply challenges in the U.S. USDA Ag News reporter Rod Bain.
5: Two recently announced mechanisms through USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service are designed to address water shortage issues out west. There is the Western Water and Working Lands Framework for Conservation Action. NRCS Chief Terry Cosby says goals from this framework address six identified challenges to water management and resource resiliency.
6: Forecasting water supply, we're looking at how we sustain the productivity of these areas, protecting groundwater availability, protecting source water availability, managing and restoring rangeland and forest land, and also responding to the disruption from catastrophic events.
5: In addition, a collaborative effort between USDA and the Interior Department, called the Water Smart Initiative, is providing funding resources to 37 existing and three new priority areas in the West to conserve water and build resiliency. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C.
0: Updated forecasts for the 2023 spring season are out, and a general call is for values to be below normal, in short, cool, for March and April. A review of DTN's March and April temperatures forecast map shows some fairly sizable departures from normal on the cool side. Average temperatures in March in the northern plains show as much as 3 degrees Fahrenheit below normal, with 2 degrees Fahrenheit below normal in the northern Midwest and in the Pacific Northwest, and as much as 4 degrees below normal in the Inner Mountain West. The remainder of the Midwest and Central Plains have near-normal temperatures, with the Southern Plains and Southeastern U.S. showing mainly 1 to 3 degrees Fahrenheit above normal. April, however, expands the coverage of lower temperatures to encompass almost the entire central and eastern U.S. with readings of 1 to 3 degrees Fahrenheit below normal. Coolest conditions are again indicated in the northern crop areas. Meanwhile, warming moves to the western third of the contiguous U.S. This pattern leans towards a delayed start to crop field work and planting for 2023. The Department of Agriculture expects farm sector income to decline in 2023. Farm News reporter Michael Clements shares the data.
7: USDA's February Farm Income Report shows net farm income, a broad measure of farm profitability, is currently forecast at $137 billion in 2023. American Farm Bureau Federation economist Danny Munch says that represents a $26 billion decline from last year.
6: And that $26 billion decline erases the $22 billion gain that farmers were expected to
7: receive between 2021 and 2022. So a
6: big drop from last year, but we're still above the prior 10-year average, which is a good thing.
7: Part of the decline in net farm income stems from increasing input costs.
6: The report expects farm and ranch production expenses to continue to increase by $18.2 billion, or 4%, over last year. That's already on top of a $70 billion increase from last year. Much of those increases are linked to marketing and transportation expenses, interest expenses, which are going to increase as the Fed attempts to fight inflation, and labor costs, which are increasing across the board.
7: Munch says farm sector debt is expected to increase to a record $535 billion as well.
6: Most of that's tied up in the form of real estate debt, mainly because farm real estate continues to increase in value. This really just means that the the value of assets regularly being purchased with debt is rising, so it'll be increasingly important for farmers and ranchers to pay down debt and maintain that healthy balance sheet, and that's going to be ever more cumbersome
7: as interest rates increase well into the next few years. Read more on the Market Intel page at FB.org.
1: Michael Clements, Washington. Soil and Crop Incorporated is your number one resource for sustainable nutrition. Growers are faced with difficult challenges, and Soil and Crop Inc. has the experience, fertilizer, and biological portfolio to dramatically increase yield and performance in your troubled orchards and fields. Contact Soil and Crop Incorporated today for a free consultation on how we can help reverse the challenges you face as a conventional or organic grower so you can increase your bottom line and become a better sustainable farmer. Contact us today at 559 559- 564-1236, or visit our website at www.callnrg.com. Soil and Crop, putting nature to work for you.
2: JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcast, and live and virtual events, JCS Marketing has the reach to inform, educate and influence growers in the western united states
1: everywhere you go you see west coast map magazine on the, every one of my customers tables so that tells you everything that's that it's there so they're reading
2: our my ag life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect.
0: That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing team, thank you for listening.